1: I'm Eddie Gibbs and welcome to another episode of Off the Wall, the podcast where we delve into the content over on the paywall side of Anfield Index, uh, Anfield Index Pro as it's known. And... uh, this show that we're going to get today is another full show. Where we either give you a full show from the uh, from the Paywall side or an extract of several shows. Well, we're going to give you a full show today. And it seemed like with the Reds uh, rampaging to the top of the league with that 5-0 victory over Watford, a great opportunity to let you see some of the stuff that we do post-match. And uh, the main show post-match, probably one of the most popular shows on the channel, is post-match Raw. Now, that's uh, obviously the raw emotion from the match. And uh, when Liverpool win, that show, uh, that show can reach fever pitch levels. And uh, this one certainly did. And uh, this show features the regular three, the most uh, the most regular three uh, contributors to post-match or Trev Downey, the host, who you no doubt hear if you listen to Anfield Index podcast, you'll hear him on the main Anfield Index show every week. Now, Trev hosts this in his... Uh usual uh usual style and uh he's joined by a uh, fellow irishman uh dave hendrick from our uh ai scouted podcast over on uh ai pro and someone that you, you if you've listened to anfield index over the years you'll have heard on many many podcasts in the past uh never never uh short and coming forward as dave as uh, i'm sure many of you all uh that have listened to him before can attest to and uh he even has a few words for me where the fables that he creates i think he goes into some sort of la la land at the end of some of these shows and uh we get uh we get some uh, some interesting takes from Dave on his uh his imaginary Dave Hendrick universe, shall we say? Uh, so do look forward to that bit. And uh, Harry Setty, who hosts our Premier League preview show on Anfield Index, a show that you can listen to almost every week before uh before Liverpool's uh, next game. He he's often joined on that show by a guest from uh. That supports one of the uh, clubs that we're about to play, so uh, so a great show if you don't already listen to that. Now, Harry Setti's uh, one of the regular guests also on uh, on post match Raw. So those guys, I'm going to let uh, loose on the uh, the post match Raw in a moment. I'm sure I'm sure you'll enjoy it. It's about an hour long normally with Liverpool winning five 0 You've got a whole hour and twenty minutes to listen to, so I'm sure you're going to enjoy this. Now, I always need to bow my hat to the guys that do Raw. Not only do they watch the game like the rest of us, and they only get to see it once. They don't even get really a chance to. Uh, share the uh, post-match uh, content from the mainstream media, such as the managers' interviews and the analysis, because literally, as soon as the final whistle blows, they jump on uh, this podcast and record it for us uh, after every match, and uh, all the raw emotion that comes for that leads to the title of uh, of post-match raw, uh, obviously. Now, uh, it's not only those three guys. Sometimes, for uh, whatever reason, work, family commitments, etc., they're not available uh, and uh their their panel has expanded in those instances. Uh we have Carl Matchett occasionally on. He's uh obviously also from our AI Scouted podcast over on the Pro Side and uh he's a writer at the Cezanne Field as well, so uh so you can go and read some of Carl's uh, work over there if you need to. And uh, Mo Chatra of our Money Talks uh, podcast, obviously it's been featured here on Off the Wall as well. Mo, a very a passionate and knowledgeable Liverpool fan. And occasionally uh, Jim Boardman, the journalist, uh, also joins the, the panel on Postmatch Raw as well. So you've got all of those guys uh, that piece this show together and put so much hard work into it. Now, uh, as we always say on Off the Wall, there's around... 30 or more podcasts uh, over on the on the pro side of Anfield Index. And you can listen to them all free for seven days. So uh, you can go and sign up for a trial. It's anfieldindex.com forward slash join and you'll get seven days absolutely free. Thereafter, you have an option. If you don't like it, just cancel it. If you want to continue, then you can either pay £4.99 per month, a couple of cups of coffee worth a month, or you can get the discount price of £49.99 per year. So without further ado, Take it away, post-match Raw after Liverpool 5, 5 Watford, 0.
0: Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro. I'm Trev Denny, podcasting to you from the newly salubrious but stream-challenged environs of my new study in beautiful rural Ireland. And joining me to give their immediate reactions to Liverpool 5, Watford, 0 in the Premier League from Anfield are the redoubtable duo of Dave Hendrick, and Harry said, the, the old band is back together Dave um, you're gonna have to do a hell of a lot of work here to fill in a lot of blanks that I had uh, as a result of the most frustrating evening I've ever had with uh, uh, internet football watching just couldn't get it together kept crapping out on me at various times now luckily I saw each and every one of the goals but there was a lot of bits and bobs that I'd normally be uh, bouncing off you and hopefully you and Harry can uh, do it vi- uh, backwards to me this time and let me know what was happening but just overall in the the immediate aftermath of that Um, we know that in the background we had a dubious penalty for Manchester City which saw them get the narrowest of 1-0 wins over a West Ham team which I think started with one lad I'd never heard of and Andy Carroll up top I think I'll take that as a big win for Liverpool in every mm. sense of the word.
2: Well Trev in, in, in a statement that will surprise absolutely nobody I've got quite a, quite a lot to say um starting with the mighty Reds uh It feels like a massive result and a massive performance that was badly needed at this point in the season. Uh, A proper statement victory as City struggle, and I do mean struggle, um, to a a shitty 1-0 win uh, with a penalty that if Mo Salah had won it, there'd be newspaper articles tomorrow um, calling for him to be suspended. Uh, But Liverpool were absolutely phenomenal tonight. Um, We saw... A team playing with renewed confidence, renewed aggression, renewed purpose. It was everything that the game on Sunday was not. Mm. Uh, it started at the back. Virgil van Dijk was in imperious form, and he needed to be because Andy Robertson had a little bit of a ropey game defensively. But Virgil was incredible. Joel Matip was was excellent. Uh, Trent alexander arndt I mean. We came on this podcast on Sunday and we criticised the decision not to pick Trent. We criticised the performance of James Milner and Trent showed tonight why he must start every game the rest of the way. This kid is absolutely sensational. Not just the delivery, but the intelligence, the movement, the vision, the pace, the recovery pace to get back into position when we're counterattacking. And, or when we're attacking and, and get countered on, is outstanding. And it's not just that he can chase the man down, it's that he can cut him off. He picks the run. He doesn't directly go chasing Delafeo and, and chasing in his footsteps. He takes the smartest route to goal and, and makes sure that there's no avenue. A sensational performance. And in midfield, I mean, at some point this podcast is probably going to become the Fabinho fan club. Um, and we won't talk about anybody else. That's how good this guy is. And he would, tonight he was on a different level. Just a world-class footballer playing world-class football. And our two boys, the, the, the two of the, the normal three that started up front, on, on a level that you rarely see in that first half in particular, just spectacular. A great performance. Not one player you could say didn't play well um, from the starting eleven. Just all in all, great performance. Very tactically clever. We moved them around the pitch. I'm absolutely delighted with what I've watched tonight.
0: Yeah, same. I couldn't be happier. The bits that I did manage to see um, strung together uh, randomly. Uh, It was a case, Harry, very much of uh, up the Trent Alexander-Arnold Reds, wasn't it? I mean, that kid, uh, it was night and day, the difference of performance. Dave highlighted the fact that... We were bemoaning his absence on Sunday. Let's just lean into the fact that maybe the manager knew better and it was some sort of idea about giving him a rest and he needed that rest, whatever. Let's just justify it for now. But seeing him in the team tonight, uh, his delivery is next level. As Dave said, every other side was game. Um, Although people like to poke holes at it and and make up stuff, it's nonsense. And he was the difference tonight. Three assists, unless I'm mistaken.
3: No, absolutely. Yeah, I thought it it was so incredibly noticeable in that game at Old Trafford. Uh, I think we all saw it, just the the staleness about the way in which we're trying to build play. Um, and even when I saw the team tonight and you look at that midfield and uh, Dave's right, there, there's no way we're going to have this pod without talking about how how fantastic Fabinho was um, at some point. But I was slightly worried about what? whether there would be enough creativity because pretty early on it it, it seemed as though Watford was setting up their stall to to be disciplined defensively to buy into the press etc etc things like that um but you know who needs creative midfielders when you've got full backs delivering uh, crosses like we saw tonight um it, it felt like the game on Sunday just went on forever into this endless cycle of of James Milner receiving a ball out wide um and just the the dread at what was going to come next. Whereas tonight early on, you could just see the way in which, uh, Trent was purring really in terms of really, really firing those crosses in, um, there were even, I'd say two or three more that could easily have led to goals. So he was really on it, um, from minute one tonight. And, uh, I really think actually pro- probably since Coutinho has left, um, because we haven't yet seen the best of Naby, uh, from a creative perspective, I guess, um, trent really has been one of our most creative forces robber as well but trent uh with his just sheer footballing ability when he has nights like this you do sort of realize what what we've talked about many times i guess that this kid's ceiling is uh is very very high indeed and just to expand it slightly
0: before we do get started properly on this on this topic because we'll keep coming back to him you can't avoid trent tonight um the, the you talk about his the, the the ceiling that he has, which is like, as you as you say, there's we we can't see the top of it right now. Um, it is a case, isn't it that? there's a case to be made for liverpool being a little bit underwhelming it's to be expected because so much of our system is built around using him and robbo and if robbo is off color on the far side and we don't have trent on this side on the right hand side then you are in trouble there there's literally no two ways around that and it's very very difficult you know it, people we talked uh, he, he, the three of us and uh, and Mo and Carl on this show on a regular basis about how we're bemoaning the complete lack of a link to the front three when they were quite often marooned on their own up top. And if Bobby isn't dropping deep and doing his bits, then we're in trouble. But that link is Trent. That link is Robbo. And we've seen Robbo off-form. He wasn't exactly wonderful again tonight. He was all right. Um, but when you see what Trent can do, it does show you that, you know, it's... It, 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 He is that important to the team. I know it seems a lot to put on the shoulders of a kid, but he is that important. He's that
3: vital to the way in which the team is set up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I was a bit surprised. I mean, I I think we all were. I mean, the exact reasons as to why he was left out on Sunday, but in terms of being a local lad, in terms of being as up for that game as anybody could have been, especially when he was, I thought, sort of unfairly maligned for sort of how he played in that. uh, in the reverse of that game last season at Old Trafford. Um, yeah, I thought he would have been right up for it. And um, I, I think one of the things that impressed me the most about uh, today's performance, not just from Trent, although he definitely sort of exemplified it, but I think just, just across the pitch really was just the way in which everybody approached that game with a hunger. Um, that I, we just didn't see, I thought on, on the weekend. I, I don't want to go back to it too often, but it, it was such a contrast in terms of the, the, the attitude of performance. Um, everybody who was, who was there was biting into tackles for, for Benia, as we already talked about my monster performance trent um not only with his delivery but the willingness to to make those overlapping runs um to create a different angle for mo to sort of combine with when he was trying to run into the box as well uh, even divvy as well i'm sure will come on to at some point coming from out of, sort of the the wilderness a little bit uh, but in a real shift going forward and going back so i thought attitude wise um Today, it was exactly what you would have wanted to see, especially with all the, the swirling narratives around us. Oh, only one point now. Are, are they bottling the league and things like that? Um, it was exactly the performance that I wanted to see. Uh, Swirling swirling narratives is going to
0: be the name of my memoir. (laughs) Having that, that's fantastic. Uh, You know, listen, uh, I'm going to come back to you, Harry, to talk about Watford because I listened to your uh, um, uh, um, pre-game show there uh, only the day before, maybe yesterday even in the gym, actually. So there's a few things I want to talk to you about in relation to Watford and the way they lined up. And Dave, I know you did your show as well. But just in relation to Liverpool, look, uh, you, you boys are obviously the analysts here, but you know, um I need to make a very obvious uh, salient point here that the big difference on night like, c- comes because Mo Sal is not wearing short sleeves. He's got his little, he's got his little thumb sticky out. Um, long sleeves pulled down. It makes all the difference. I hope people can see that because that's what the game is really all about. But anyway, Dave, getting back to you about about the Liverpool lineup. and I saw a little bit of, um, I suppose it could be d- described as a kind, kind shade fired in the direction of Jimmy Milner from you and the immediate aftermath there on Twitter um, because Liverpool lined up with uh, Trent restored to right back. The rest of the back four kind of looked after itself given the situation with them. Gomez and Lovren. Um, We he went with a midfield that I don't think many of us would have, uh, with um, with Jimmy Miller in there along with uh, the two undroppables and uh, Divock Origi. Um, nobody saw this coming, uh, starting and as the team started, and that was one of the few parts of the game that I did get to see right at the start where you get to see the shape of the team as it's going to play out it was a really weird lineup with Divock raiding in from the left with Mo actually really effectively raiding from the right and Sadio through the middle and it paid dividends in spades. I mean, this is if we we've, we've given Klopp a bit of shade recently um, um, when he's probably deserved it for a few weird decisions. These ones could have really bit him on the arse, but they worked out a trade,
2: didn't they? They did. Absolutely. And I mean, it shows the importance and the influence of Trent because when you put him in the team like you do today, you, you get so much more from Mo. And Harry mentioned Trent's willingness to un, to, uh, to overlap, but also his willingness to underlap and run inside of Mo and go between the fullback and centre-back and, and make the centre-back go with him, which opens up pockets for Mo that Mo can play in. That's huge because how many times this season have we watched Mo get the ball, immediately have to beat the left-back and then immediately have the centre-back on top of him. That wasn't the case today. A lot of the times Trent was making those runs, really clever runs, where he was starting outside and cutting in or starting inside and cutting out and just forcing defenders to make decisions as to whether to go with him or not. And when they didn't, he was punishing them. Now, James Milner was tremendous today. He was very, very good. It has to be said very, very good. But. I, do have, I do have a bit of criticism for him in like, no, No, there's no but on this. I do have a bit of criticism for him in a minute, but I'll come to that. There's no discernible difference between James Milner and Jordan Henderson as footballers in terms of their level. They're both carved from the same slab of gammon. They're both limited but effective. You know, they, they, there's things they're good at, there's things they're not good at. They stay in their lane.
0: Would you not think that Jimmy Miller is a little bit more finesse about him and creative? I think he's got stuff? a little
2: bit more nous about him. I think Henderson right, okay. more, more of an athlete. And I think Henderson, when he plays off instinct, can be a very clever player. I just think when he gets inside his own head, I think Miller's is a stronger character than Henderson. But there's no massive difference. But you watch Henderson tonight, or sorry, Milner tonight versus say Henderson against, um, against United. And it's, One has had an excellent game tonight and one was dreadful at the weekend. But the biggest difference to their performances is Trent. It's that outlet. It's that willingness to cut outside them. And then the ease in which they can do Like, we saw Milner, how many times tonight? Slide back to right back. Loads of time. Loads of the ball. Plenty of time to have a look and see what was on. Jordan Henderson doing that can be effective as well. But when Milner is the right back, Henderson doesn't cover back because Milner's not bombing forward as much as Trent from right back. Trent makes such a difference to that entire right side. We see it on the left as well. Like when Andy Robertson is at his best, the left side of our attack absolutely hums. We see Mane tearing people apart. Ginny lifts his game as well, or Naby if it's him on the left. And it really works. Tonight we saw it on the right-hand side. Mo absolutely on fire. Milner turning in without question his best performance since early September. The only, and I'll get just get it out of the way now, the only criticism I have of James Milner tonight is his set pieces. They're absolutely atrocious. You know, so, so what's happened is at some point in his career, and I'd like to meet the person and give them a slap, whoever it was. At some point in their career, someone has said to Milner, you're good at set pieces. And he's gone, oh, I'm good at set pieces. I'm going to take set pieces for now. And because he's such a nice guy, no one's ever really had the heart to go, Jimmy, you're a bit shit at these now so you might want to leave it off it's kind of like you know how kids often can't sing and their parents tell them oh you've got a lovely voice and then their <laughs> aunts and their grannies and that and they tell them you've got a lovely voice and this is when they're like four or five up to maybe eight nine and then mm. they don't sing in public they sing in their ba- bedroom or in the shower or whatever and in their head people have told them you're a good singer and this is how i imagine things like x factor take place like all these people that come out of their bedrooms at like 27 and they're like, Oh, well, Mr. Cowell, uh, people have always told me that I'm a very good singer. And by people, they mean their mums and their aunts and their granny. And by very good singer, they mean you're a little bit simple, but like here's some praise they'll go back into your bedroom. And that's <laughs> kind of what Milner's set pieces remind me of. Like they're so bad. They're just yeah. awful.
0: Yeah. And, and of, course, of course, he's he's riding the wave as well of, of the penalty success. And he's been uh, um, a, a real addition to the club in that one area. Oh, he's the, a great or, penalty taker. But you know? And, and, of course, then people expand that into free kicks, but they're not in any way the same thing. And all you have to do is look at the difference when Trent's hitting balls that are either moving or dead, and you can just see the difference in, in, in the, the golf quit. in the class.
2: Yeah. And the, Watching Trent strike a set piece kind of reminds me of watching Tiger Woods drive a golf ball. The, the, the torque he gets on his body, like he seems like he's almost standing in front of the ball at times as he whips his leg round and strikes right through the ball and then hooks to the croc. It's incredible to watch. His technique is flawless. We are watching the beginning of the career of one of the great Liverpool players who will be world-class and I think at some point either the best right-back in the world or an incredibly gifted consistent midfield player, whichever he go way he goes. We're watching something special with this lad.
0: Yeah, it's it's all there for that kid, and there's no two ways about it. And Harry, like I said, I want to come back to you before we get into the details of the match itself, and people will notice the first, second game, uh, or show in a row. I'm kind of putting this on the long finger. Last time it was because I knew every single second of that and was horrible. This time it's because I don't know half as much as I usually do. But just to talk about Watford and the way they lined up, and it was very interesting to hear your contributor during the week, um, who I thought was an eloquent chap and obviously I think he's his own um, Watford podcast and uh, seemed to have had done an interview with Dini and stuff like that so they're obviously quite um, connected and um, it was was quite elucidating as it quite often is in your show to listen to someone from a different club having a chat. Um, He was quite confident Harry coming into this there was no, he, like, uh, for the first time in ages, I heard someone from an opposition team saying, I think we'll win this, probably 2-1. And, you know, listening to him and ta- listen to him talk about the team and the way they're set up and the effect of Javi Gracia and the sort of settled nature of their side and the sort of uh, emergent uh, uh, um, status of one or two of the people they've taken a risk in, like Delafeu and, and others. Um, it, it had me more than a little concerned going into this game and I suppose the worst signs of what he was chatting about in that Watford performance I mean they started off at Foster they had Jan Matt in one corner they had Mariappa and Cathcart and Messina and the other who got turned inside out god love them all game by by Mo they had Ducure and, and uh, Capu and and Hughes and Pereira and Delafeo and Dini and it's By no means any 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 class of mug side at all they're a solid team they probably will end up i would imagine in the top eight nine what do you think
3: yeah i mean we we were talking about that on the preview pod in terms of they're having their best season um since they returned to the premier league they've already got 40 points last season it took them until the penultimate game of the season to get to 41 to sort of scrape survival um, so Javi Grassi is doing a really really great job for them there, and also I mean you, you look at the results they've had as well, and I, I guess they, they they do have a right to be confident in some senses. I mean that they they don't lose five 0 I mean it's it's not something that happens to them very often. I mean they're they're coming into the game off off um, three back to back wins, obviously one in the cup uh, against QPR, but um, I mean the losses they have had was a two one loss to to Spurs, uh, a two one loss to to Chelsea. And before that, a 2-1 loss to City. So even those results against some of the top sides, where they have ended up losing, it's it's they've been tight contests, they've been tight affairs. I thought you could see tonight as well. I mean, despite the fact that they end up getting completely thrashed, um, you could you could see their quality and you could also see their intensity in patches as well. I thought that they at times pressed very well. That they they brought a sort of a a high-level event of energy to the game as well. You, you look at that midfield into the decore um, uh, and you know exactly what you're going to be up against there. Pereira had a good, fantastic start to the season. Uh, he's coming come back from injury, but he, he's someone that we know can be influential. And for all the stick that we gave Delefeo throughout the game, <laughs> and, and, and we, we did give him plenty. Um, there were a couple of times where he made some pretty intelligent runs. Um, and if it wasn't for some, some good last ditch at times defending, um, uh, they could have scored. Um, so I, I, I think that they, they, despite ending up five nil, coming out of it being, being slaughtered. Uh, I'm guessing the, those last two, the goals from Van Dyke really did sort of put the icing on the cake for us. And made a look at, I guess in some senses a bit more comfortable than it maybe was you know, on the night, but no, I, th- I think you're right. You they They're a strong side that will probably have their strongest finish uh, to a Premier League season since they come back up. Um, and, I don't think that many sides are going to be humbling them 5-0.
0: No, it was very interesting to hear um, him sit, talk about Ben Foster and how he expected yeah. that he would be their player of the year. And yet on the night where you could not say that kid did anything wrong. Um, in fact, he was quite, you know, I thought strong and in, and. In, 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 Excellent with his delivery, actually, from feet. Really, really good. I didn't expect that from him. He's not a guy that I've watched a huge amount of. I know he's good. I know he's a solid keeper. But I was really impressed with his ability to ping the ball to feet tonight. It's interesting that a guy who is there you know, top player, one of their best players, um, a guy he expected to be their player of the year. He gets five rattle past them tonight, like you say. Um, and, and you know, you mentioned those previous games where they'd been defeated, but they managed to register a score in each game and it was a narrow one goal defeat. You know, you, you talked about the points total, which they may amass. And I'm just looking at some of the little things that Greg's been dropping in there into the uh, chat box. And we, we read that Liverpool at this stage already have more points in the end the season with in several campaigns from 92 93 up as far as 2015 16 that looks like at least 10 or 12 seasons there that are mentioned where we already have more points than we ended seasons with and I, I'm, I think I'm right to say uh Harry it's 10 games left right for for the Reds
3: yeah and I so, I, I think one of my favorite stats I saw floating around as well Trev to put, put a bit of early icing on the cake because if, if Liverpool win on Sunday we'll have twice as many points as Everton this season so i mean that's a that's a nice one that
0: is absolutely glorious, and everyone should just take a minute and revel in that i think um you know to 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 get the the ball rolling Dave on the game itself um you know from the second minute you had that Jim James Milner um, that we like to see um, front foot James Milner, the kind of um, front foot um, performance that we were so delighted that we saw from Jordan Henderson against Bayern in the first half. Hmm. He was he was right pressing right up pressing. Uh, uh, on the second minute and nearly caught Foster out actually to be fair, um, looking up on Adam, and he continued to do so for the whole game, like you say there was only a few times even even down to when he was falling over and towards the end of the game he was falling over in the box and still managed to get the ball away and across and continue an attack uh, just one of those all action performances that is quite endearing and um, one of the reasons you like him and you know it th- those opening minutes for me were a bit patchy in terms of the coverage that I got to see but the most important thing is that on the ninth minute, we register an early goal, which is we know from watching this team, we know from watching our club that if we do that, there's a fair chance we're going to go on and win and win comfortably. We're certainly very, very rarely, if ever, troubled once we've gone ahead um, in terms of the overall results. And to see Sadio score that goal, and it was a gorgeous goal. Uh, which, you know, came about from uh, as a result of one of those deliveries you spoke about, I spoke about, Harry spoke about already from Trent. And let's not underestimate that finish from a little lad getting up there in between their grocks at the back and angling that header beautifully so that it nestles in one of those really satisfying spots in the back of the old net there. It's a glorious, glorious goal from so many perspectives. Maybe you want to talk me through it and the way that it built up and the kind of pattern that it established.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of highlighted a lot of what we would see as the game progressed, which was us kind of feinting left and going right and, and trying to open open the defence up laterally and make them move side to side, not allow them to bed in and just become a, a bank of four with two two big lads, Dakori and Kapui sitting in front of them. Which, you know, it's what Watford can do because, uh, as Harry said, they I mean they're a good team, and there's there's good players in, in that team, and none of them reside at centre back. Um, Craig Catcart, I, I imagine that's the only reason that that name is on his shirt is because Catcart horse doesn't fit. Um, just not a very good <laughs> football. Is that because um, he's an ex
0: man You're giving him a bit of. Well, <laughs>
2: me, one of many reasons, but. Just at, the, at this level, I, I think that's the next step for Watford to sort out that centre back, centre back pairing, get yourself two good defenders in the summer. And this is a team that will make themselves, you know, a, a fixture in the Premier League for the, for the the future because they're well run, they scout very well, they develop players quite well. Like you guys mentioned, players like Delafeo, Will Hughes, who at one point heavily linked to Liverpool, had a bad knee injury. They got him on the cheap and they've rehabilitated him. I thought he was very good for them tonight uh, in patches in midfield as well. Um, but <clears throat> for the goal, I mean, it's it's magnificent movement from Mane. And the, the, the kind of the highlight of his performance, I thought, tonight was his movement. I thought his touch and his passing were poor, but his movement and his intelligence was just, it was elite tonight. Um, great bit of movement. And the cross is just an absolute dream. It's the the perfect cross. It's whipped, it's pinged. And Mane cleverly doesn't try you know the you know the, the old kind of proper football man thing is don't try and do too much with it. And that's exactly what, what was needed there. Just redirect the power that Trent has put on it. And that's exactly what Mane did. And like you said, this guy's five foot eight. Maybe yeah, five it, foot that push,
0: and it is the technique to do that. I mean, yeah, that's exactly right. What you're talking about is exactly right, and that is, as you say, that's the age-old football wisdom that you and I and Harry would have heard from coaches. You know, just use the pace and the ball, direct it wherever. And it's one thing to say that; it's another thing to do it uh, when you're a, a short arse and you're trying to yeah. uh, ju- jump between two two big rocks and um in a key moment in a massive tension match and. Yeah, I love that kid. I love him for doing it. I love him for what he did in a few minutes' time that we're going to talk about. I mean, it's easy to be critical of him because he can quite often often be wasteful, and sometimes if he's wasteful and perhaps not quite as productive with his um with his with his um you know uh build up play and stuff like that, it's easy to kind of. Sadio always stands out because Sadio is always involved.
2: For one reason or another, Sadio will always stand out. It's never a game where, like you know, like Ginny can disappear at times. And I'm one of Ginny's biggest fans and one of his biggest defenders. But there are games that he disappears. Bobby can sometimes be a little anonymous. Mo can be a little anonymous, as as he was against United. It's never the case of Mane. He's either spectacularly good or spectacularly bad. One way or another, he will be spectacular. And everything about his game is one extreme or another there's nothing you'd look at Mane doing and say yeah he's okay at that he's either brilliant at it or he's fucking awful at it yeah and, and you've, got, you've got you've got to love that day because it means yeah. he's always involved and he's never hiding he's always there it kind of reminds me a little bit of Suarez now he's yeah. not he's not nearly as at the level of Suarez but Suarez is the same like you always knew he was playing and he's either like, Louis Suarez is either the best in the world or something or absolutely atrocious. You wouldn't find him in St Mary's Park on a Sunday morning kind of bad. Like, he's just that kind of player. And, man, is he's, he's just... I mean, that, that... that The second goal was mental. But the, that first goal, that... The timing of the run, the, the intelligence of the movement, the ability to read the defensive line as well and not venture offside, which would have been quite easy for him to do. And... For a lot of strikers, they would have just ventured offside in that situation, but he did, not he timed everything perfectly, timed his leap, and he's got such incredible spring. He's an incredible athlete. Like, he is a pure athlete. Um, And like I say, just redirecting the power on the ball, and there's there's not a goalkeeper in the world that saves that. You could put two goalkeepers in, Mm. and they're not saving that. You could have the situation at Chelsea where... You sub the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper refuses to go off, and you say, "Okay, we'll play the two of them." And it's still not been saved. It's just yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. Foster and Kepa both failed to save. Listen, the thing about it is,
0: yeah, you're right. He's 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 a wee. Hardened ball of physicality that kid, uh, and he's 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 glorious to watch, and as you said, sometimes glory is the awful, but never anything less than engaging. And Harry, the the moments that follow the goal, which obviously set the Reds up nicely and gets the the crowd exactly where we need the crowd to be, if we're honest, um, and they were wonderful tonight. Uh, the atmosphere was was fantastic all the way through. Um, the the songs were flying from very early on and continued at a a nice level and a nice pitch, but we had a a 10 minute spell between the first and second goals and the bits that I saw in my absolutely abysmal stream was uh, basically that we did have on 15 minutes, a bit of a dangerous break and they did have a deep Pereira cross, which Alison dealt with. And just to flag up that kid right now, um, a fella who, um, showed his worth against Manchester United uh, who's shown his worth on so many occasions uh, over the course of the season I'll tell you something you know if that point that we got at Old Trafford ends up being a significant point like it is tonight because it keeps us exactly where we need to be um, it's down to him It's not down to anyone else in that field. It's down to him against Manchester United, who uh, single-handedly pulled off the moment of the match. And again tonight, you know, every little thing he did and every major thing he did, there was an authority about that kid. that was really, really important. Now, if I've missed out any of the moments in those uh, 10 minutes between 9 and 19, uh, go ahead and fill me in. But maybe have a little word about Alisson, and then we can lead up to Sadio's second.
3: Yeah, with Allison, I think it's sometimes it's 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 very easy to to sort of take it for granted what he's added to the side, but there's just the composure that he that he brings, um, and I I know at the weekend as well people were sort of a little bit um, iffy about some of his passing, and of course at times he'll he'll try um, he'll always back himself in terms of his own footballing ability, and it it might make some of us. Uh, have our hearts in our mouths or whatever, but um, he's he, he's always there in, in terms of his composure, his his handling as well. Generally, has been brilliant. Um, there, there are moments tonight as well where you can imagine in the past Miggs spilling a ball, providing a chance for you know someone like Dini, someone like Pereira, who's who's following in, looking for that sort of mistake, um, and he he just doesn't do that. He's, he's he's very very consistent in that sense, and you know even when there are patches where Watford sort of got into the game. Maybe exposes down one flank and then got a dangerous ball in. If it wasn't Matip defending it, if it wasn't Van Dijk clearing it in the air, um, he was there to take that ball and um, to claim it. No danger, um, and and that's where he's really been for us the the entirety of the season. Yes, he's he's been there, um, able to pull out the remarkable save every now and then. And I think the one I always go back to as well is that one. Um, was it against Burnley? I think where you really did pluck it out of the air, and you didn't realise until you you saw it afterwards on the replay that he did in fact touch it onto the post um, before we then got, went on that counter and, uh, and Shakiri scored. But yeah, he's he's ever present in that sense. Um, and in that ten minute spell that you were mentioning, Javva, it was just really fast. It was really frenetic. Um, there was even a bit where I think Salah played it to to Trent, and again, another cross, uh, dangerous, fizzed into the box, and um, there are a couple ricochets, actually. Uh, I think it could have been Kafka, actually. He, he tried to clear it. actually rebounded straight off of Ben Foster. Could have gone absolutely anywhere. This is right before the second goal, really. So you, you could tell already that Watford, um, because we were cranking up the pace, they were really finding it hard to live with it. Um, Dave mentioned as well that we were sort of dragging them left and right, but I really thought it was that that early intensity that they they knew they were in a game immediately. And um, it didn't drop after we got that first goal. It only really sort of uh, intensified. It
0: did, and it built until the 19th minute where the second ah. goal was registered. And I mean, to, to, to stay with you on this one, Harry, I mean, like, basically what we had there was the throughout the match, the, the glorious, and look, let's just be honest, let's all be honest, reassuring sight of Mo Salah looking like he was back to his best, yeah. looking like he was capable of turning guys inside out and giving them what I think uh uh Gordon McQueen once described as twisted blood uh because they're so just all over the place, not able to keep up with them. And he 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 was instrumental in that second. He he pinned Watford right back. Um eventually the ball breaks to Trent and for the second time in the game the delivery is fairly nice. Um sadio ends up doing uh something absolutely outrageous his first touch is a bit awful the ball gets away from him. he recovers and he pulls off a move harry which you know should just leave us all with that as the lasting memory of this game because it was bloody gorgeous it was impish it was technically excellent talk to me about that second goal
3: yeah i mean i Looking back at it, Mo Salah. You, I mean, you 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 got to focus on his role in it as well because the the desire that he actually showed to to keep hold first to win the ball, then to absolutely leg it down the wing, um, whilst you sort of just sort of be physically strong enough to hold off, um, to hold off the the defender as well. Uh, I mean, none of this happens without him showing that desire to actually get to the ball and. Uh, try and cut it in himself but of course as you mentioned it, it, it gets back to Trent eventually another nice cross straight into Mane's uh, into Mane's feet um, sort of a little bit of a dirt count sort of first touch from time to time it com- <laughs> com- completely went behind him and, 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 you, and you're just thinking this sums up Mane as we were talking about Dave mentioned as well um, at times completely sublime. At other times, you're thinking you, you've tried the most unorthodox thing there imaginable. Why would you try that there? Why don't you just go for a simple you know, side foot, something like that? We've we, we've we've all seen some of the acrobatic volleys, the things he tries. But then that same audacity. I mean, th- th- that's the reason why he tries the back heel um, to actually score that wonderful goal. I mean, you, you, you see Foster's face on the replay as well. It's absolutely beautiful to watch as well. But, yeah. <laughs> the first touch is terrible, but it, it sets it perfectly for for the back heel and and he has to lift it as well I mean he, he it does it's the execution of it harry isn't it yeah he he has to lift it as well and in the end it looks like I mean it's the most arrogant finish but it's it's exactly what you want to see um and at, at, at that stage you're really sort of um you're thrilled by how intense, how fast-paced we are as well, but also that move that Klopp made to, you know, I think when we all saw the lineup, we were unsure exactly where um, Origi would, would be playing at first, but the fact that Mane was central uh, and scored two goals, really, that, uh, I mean, OK, the first touch is not really what you what you want from your from your striker, um, but, you know, the first goal, in terms of his positioning, his movement there, very Sturridge-esque in terms of, you know, the best of Sturridge, I guess, to the, getting into that position, and the second goal is there again, um, to, to take that touch and impudent finish as well. Well, if you had said, um, we're going to play tonight, Sadio, as a
0: number nine, uh, which means I need you to grow a few inches so you can head the ball. And I need you to be able to get on the end of crosses. Can you do that for me, Chief? He did it. You know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, that is the thing. He did it. He executed that role to perfection. And Dave, I mean, the, the immediate aftermath of the goal um, and, a long period uh, of the match, then the, the the remainder of that first half, really, there were various moments in which we saw, like I said to Harry, the massively, massively invigorating sight of Mo Salah, uh, sort of on his toes. And we'll speak later on about people like Fabinho, we'll speak about Virgil van Dijk, but just to give Mo his moment, like for example, in 22 minutes, he just absolutely ran them ragged. <laughs> and he, he fired over when, you know, he, a little bit more composure You could possibly have done better on 37 minutes he hits the post then we have a a decent run by james miller almost in the immediate aftermath and then fabinho with a long ranger like i said we'll hold off in the fabinho chat for a little bit because that guy deserves a little chunk of the show for himself but just to focus on mo salah i mean seeing him doing his thing like i say it's invigorating it's reassuring it's everything that we need because look let's be honest here, if Trent Alexander Arnold is important to the team, Mo Salah is absolutely central and for him to oh, be yeah. doing the things that he does we need him to do it for, what? who knows, there could be, who knows how many games there could be left, right? You, you do the sums on it, it depends on the Champions League, there's either X, Y or Z games left and for each and every one of them we're going to need Mo to be at as best if we have a chance to win stuff.
2: Yeah, absolutely, I think it's a maximum of 16 games we can have left and Uh, I'm hoping it's 11. I'm hoping it's one more in the Champions League and then we just, you know, hell for leather in the league. Um, Just on the Mane goal, the first touch was like, remember when Glenn Johnson forgot how feet work? That that was the first touch. And then the finish is like prime Daniel Sturridge. That quick thinking, I can do this and this will work. And like you say, to to drill it down into the ground and bring it up over Ben Foster's shoulder. If you slow it down, and watch, just watch Ben Foster, nothing else. You can see him charging out, thinking, I can get this, I can stop him. Yeah. And then immediately turns to, oh shit. And you can actually see, oh shit, kind of pierce from his eyes and fill your yeah. screen. Magnificent it's, stuff. But
0: it's like that moment of The Simpsons where if, if you slow it down, you can see the moment Rob's heart breaks.
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's just, it's incredible. But on Mo, I mean, at playing like that, there's no finer attacker in, in English football, he is just sensational and from 19 till about 43, it was very much the Mo Salah show and he tore them limb from limb it was it was kind of like he, he's a sniper who's not going for kill shots, he's like he shot one of them in the gut and as the rest of them come out to help, he's just picking them off here and there in the most merciless manner you can imagine and Really and truly, I think he probably should have scored and could have scored, but I think he was just having so much fun out there. And it was he was looking to try and find Mane in in situations where normally he would shoot himself. Um, but he he was just, I I mean, if 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 he gets arrested after this game for, for that, for you know, bullying and whatever else, I mean, he wouldn't be surprised. It was just. He's on such a different level when he plays like that. I mean, I, I think Virgil's our best and most important player, but Mo is, is right there with him in, in both regards. He's just a sensational footballer. And, like, the balance, the movement, the willingness to go inside and outside, and that, that last bit, that willingness to go outside, onto his right foot, knowing that he's got Trent who'll go inside him, and it can be a simple ball, That's something we've lacked. And we've lacked at times when Trent has been in the team. Because while we've praised Trent to the ceiling, and and I love Trent, and I've said before, he he, he should be allowed to have shit games, make mistakes, and nobody should criticise him because he's that special. There has been games this season where he has been poor, and he hasn't done what we require of him in in that situation. But tonight, the the link-up play, the willingness from all three on that side, and Milner included, <clears throat> and Milner's willingness to get close to Mo and offer himself as the out ball and then give it back to Mo once he steps out and finds even half yard of space because that's all he needs. Some players need a, need a big space to you know to beat a man. Mo needs literally a, a foot and a half, and he can go one way, then the other, and he's gone because he's got that incredible burst. it's It's like watching Jason Robinson. I don't know if any any of you guys watch Rugby, but Jason Robinson, when he was at his prime, just that explosive first step, and he's just gone. And you're not catching them no matter what you do. Um, just watching them tonight was just so much fun. It was just a joy. Yeah,
0: that was that it. That was it, wasn't it? That was the word that's, that's absolutely it, that little three-letter word that came back. Um when the a thing that we've associated with the Reds for you know eighteen months, almost twenty four months at this stage is just just fun. Another three letter word, maybe joy, watching them and and tonight it was back in full effect and and Mo Salah is central to that and absolutely central to the, to that particular aspect of watching them. And you mentioned Virgil Van Dijk. I'll come back to you to talk about Virgil later on. Maybe Harry and myself might talk about Fabinho at some stage, but just to see how the first half Harry and <clears throat> To spin it back a little bit, back towards Watford and, and and give them their due, um, you know, Dave said it was it, it had turned into the mole show and it did, uh, you know, but on 41 minutes they had, a sh- Dini had a shot it, uh, after Delafeu got a cross in, uh, Deeney had a shot, I think it was near post and puts it wide. Uh, it, it, listen, what you would say about them was what you'd say about an awful lot of our opponents this year, and 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 it's a credit where it's due type thing is. They didn't ever drop their heads, even as the score was ratcheting up one, two, three. Even at 3-0, I thought there was still lots of heart in those guys. And, you know, they did present a proper
3: opposition threat, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And I think, I mean, it's, it's even more admirable when you think about sort of what we've heard Deeney say about Van Dyke And I just thought... Just sort of, Trying to face him, how he hates it, all, all this crap, and then he's uh, he's forced was uh, trying to contend with him all day. But I, I I actually thought that he actually did play pretty well, um, uh, in that little patch as well, Feo. I mean, uh, you mentioned he uh, did he hit one just past the post, but there was a there was a moment even earlier uh, where Feo sort of whipped the ball in, um, and uh, if it wasn't for Matip actually getting getting in front of Dini, he, he may actually have had an easier chance to try and get one in. Um, but yeah, he was a constant threat. And I, th- I think, you know, in terms of his attitude, wow. he, he, he's not really properly going to have his head down. Um, and not exactly going to give up. It's, 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 it's not really what you come to expect from Dini, but it, it wasn't just him. It was De who seemed to be sort of riled up a little bit by, uh, by the stick he was getting. Uh, I mean, there's some sort of pretty terrible dives in there as well, but he kept going, he kept making some intelligent runs um and uh as dave mentioned as well I've completely blanked his name was it hughes yeah will hughes i thought throughout the entirety of the game um was quite effective for them he, he didn't put his head down either um and did find a few sort of dangerous passes from time to time so they kept us on our toes um and if anything i, th- I think it was good for us because we've not seen it too much this season but you never want to think that we will you know, lull back into that sort of complacence um complacency that that we've seen in the past where we have conceded sloppy goals in games like this it was good that we, we were forced to keep um, switched on but I thought Fabinho as well um helped with the defense there when on occasion Van Dyke or Matic were caught out he was there to win the ball back I thought yeah there's probably a strongest game uh yet for us
0: that's a big statement you've just made there and and let's we might as well you, you've introduced it. Let's talk about it now. And and Fabinho, a guy who I think is sort of, uh, for some of us, it didn't take too long at all. It was uh, like almost an immediate like of what it was that he could offer. Uh, and you could see that even if he did maybe struggle in certain areas, that there was massive potential there with him, with the ranginess that he has, the ability to get a foot in. I, you know, personally, I love that aspect in any footballer. If you can get a foot in, I remember. Even someone like Didi Haman who uh you know was, was more famed for his playmaking than uh, play destruction. What I liked about him immediately when I saw him was that he would just manage to reach out a long leg and get a foot in. And it's a it's it's a massively underrated thing. Um, I guess maybe people who 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 don't play or who've never played don't maybe see that aspect of it. But good God, Fabinho has that spades. And as you said, Harry, the, the most notable aspect of it, yes, we expect him and all the way through, he was very progressive with his passing as he always is. He's so precise. He's, he's got a lovely touch and lovely weight of pass. But the best thing about Fabinho is when there are gaps opening up because one or two of our centre-halves or full-backs have moved forward, Fabinho you know, plugs those gaps, and he did it repeatedly. He was still doing it on 83, 84 minutes. Mm-hmm. He just does not stop. He's relentless, and it, it's 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 a massive it's a massive advantage to any side. That
3: isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't think anybody on Anfield Index needs to sort of. You know talk overly long about sort of the benefits of having a defensive midfielder in the team i mean it, it, yeah it, yeah, it, yeah it, 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 it seems like it's hello very, <laughs> about All right, a very, <laughs> very very long time but i mean what you're seeing there trevor has what you mentioned in terms of him filling in those gaps and things like that i mean that's just it's it's, it's defensive intelligence um, and positional sense that comes from a player who is comfortable in his position and what we've seen over the past few years is various players who they're either physically good; they have the energy to to cover across that and, and be useful at times. But ultimately, it's not there. It's not their preferred sense. It's it's not their, uh, it's not it's not the nature of their game. For example, I mean, we've seen Henderson be sort of uh, shifted into that role from time to time, but he's he's not really defensively minded player. Fabinho is first and foremost. He's got the other stuff to his game as well, which is fantastic. Um, but you know. When he needs to focus on defence, when others need his help as well, which from time to time they will do, it's just great to see him him there as on. Well. It was also great to see the crowd really appreciating what he was uh, what he was providing tonight.
0: Dave on Fabinho, just to give you a word on him as well, because the the guy merits a mention from from both of you tonight. Uh, you know, as 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 Harry says, uh, you know we don't need to overplay the the importance of 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 that particular position because look it's something that has been clearly missing for the longest time but it's not just that he does that position he does it beautifully he does it wonderfully he does it with finesse but he can also he also has other aspects to his game which makes the kid you know we talked about Trent we talked about Mo but there is a very real situation where in a season coming up very soon, Fabinho might be our player of the year because he has that much to his game.
2: Many strings to the bow, as people say. Um, Trev, I've been looking at him all season and trying to think of who does he remind me of? And the Didi Haman shout is absolutely spot on. That intelligence, I think he's a little bit more dynamic than Didi, a little bit more mobile, but that intelligence, that reading of the play, knowing where he's meant to be and not just kind of as the game progresses when the opposition has the ball, but even when we have the ball and you watch him pick up positions and you're like, why is he going there? And then you see our attack break down and them attack and time after time, he's already where he needs to be, just waiting on the play to come to him. And that's the sign of a great defensive midfielder. It was the same with Didi Sergio Busquets I think is the greatest defensive midfielder of all time It's him as well He's always in the right position And Fabinho tonight I mean we, we've seen in the past Matip is good in the air But big physical burly guys can give him a bit of trouble And they targeted that a little bit tonight By sticking Dini on him From goal, you know, goal kicks or long balls from the centre-backs And what we saw was Fabinho just, go, just wander over And stand in front of Dini and challenge him from in front, and then Matip could challenge from behind. And Fabinho probably won three or four headers tonight just from being in the right position and reading that little bit of danger and just taking it out. And then Watford stopped trying it because it wasn't an avenue, and there's no point in kicking the ball long towards Virgil. So just that kind of game intelligence. And, like, we've watched since Mascherano left, we've watched a succession of not very good holding midfield play. Lucas and Henderson great lads that try hard, but it's not their position. They weren't, they're not naturally inclined to play that that role. You, you, I, th- I think you're born to play that role, one way or another. Like, you might end up there a little bit later, like Didi did when he came to us, whereas before that, he'd been more box-to-box, a bit more creative, as you said, at Newcastle and Bayern. But certain guys are just, like, Gilberto is always one I think of. He was just born to play there, and everything about his game suited that. But you look at <clears throat> City, Chelsea and Leicester, the last you know, three winners of the Premier League over what the last five years, those three teams have, have won it. And the most important player in each of those teams has been the holding midfielder. Fernandinho, Nemanja Matic and N'Golo Kante for two different clubs. It's the most important position on the field. And we now finally have someone who is of that elite level, who is capable of just holding it down right in front of the defence, And he's just, he's getting better and better. And it's a scary thing for the rest of the league because we already had one of the best goalkeepers in the world, one of the best centre-backs in the world. Now we've got a guy who's developing into one of the best holding midfield players in the world. And that's very, very scary for everybody who wants to try and score against Liverpool. Do you know what? It absolutely is. And I think, again,
0: just maybe it's me hammering this home a little bit much, but Wofford presented a, a, a clear and present danger uh, throughout the game, and they are no mugs. And, oh. and, and and there was a beautiful snuffing out of everything they did. You know, we'll come and talk about Virgil He's, when he, we speak. Fabinho
2: fouled Will Hughes at one point, and Will Hughes thanked him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. him. Thank yeah. you, sir, for yeah. deeming <laughs> me worthy of a foul. Yeah. That's what he'll go in and negotiate his next contract on. Fabinho deem me worthy of being felt.
0: Yeah, so, yeah I, I'm clearly the danger man. Yeah, absolutely. And like like I say, we, we'll speak about Virgil later on, but they just got snuffed out and it was lovely to see. And there was never any massive panic moments. And if there were, uh, the, the main man was there in Allison. And as you said, we have several of those potentially best in the world players uh, in several positions and it's just massively exhilarating and look we started the second half how are you playing towards the cop and to be fair to Watford they came out with a bit of a, a bit of gusto and they started very much in the front foot and uh, they, they were trying to do their bits um, but look by 47 Trent has already robbed Delafeu as they're trying to they're trying to get something going Mo drives at them and causes chaos 48 minutes Divock is playing in Robbo very dangerous ball across the face of the goal uh another potential chance 49 minutes mo's coming in menacingly from the right and he drives across the goal foster manages to get a paw on it that's minute 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 47 48 49 uh you know it they they tried to do their bits but the reds push back they tried again on 52 jan Matnerly got in to be fair to him uh but Within seconds, there was a, a, a counter attack in, involving Mo and James Milner uh, trying to play a 1 2 and almost getting in. Uh, LA LA is going by 59. Like, it, Whereas Watford, like I say, presented a clear present danger, they weren't able to get a foothold. There was something resolute about her defending and something insistent about the way that the Reds attacked every time they had an opportunity. You know, on 60 minutes, uh, we've a chorus of "ala LA going around and Divock cuts in uh, from the left, has a shot at Foster after a really decent break involving James Milner, um, who <laughs> fell over in the penalty box <laughs> and managed to keep the move going, uh, you know, because that's what Jimmy Milner does. Uh, and then in a repeat of that, six minutes later, uh, he mm-hmm. does exactly the same, but this time, It's uh, very, very incisive and it's a glorious moment and the Reds are 3-0 up. Talk to me about the goal and about the pattern of that opening part of the second half.
3: Yeah, in terms of the pattern of the opening part, I mean, uh, you're right to sort of mention Watford didn't just roll over. I mean, they they kept coming. Um, I thought that at times you could just see sort of the final pass was, was letting them down. The quality wasn't quite there tonight as well. Um, but in terms of like endeavor, I mean, you, you, you could tell they were going to keep going, which is, you do have to credit them for that. And and I guess the results that they've been getting, I mean, that's, that's the reason why that they, they had that attitude about them. Dini sort of leads them by example in that sense from time to time as well. Um, but as you mentioned, yeah, just every, every, every time we were countering, it didn't feel quite as fluid as, um, as the first half but um, there were numerous occasions where you just thought if if it falls for us right here we're gonna get our we're gonna get our third goal we're, we're gonna kill this game um and you were just hoping that Mane would actually get that that trick goal as well and and there are a couple of chances where he nearly got it I think on 63 he, he had a chance where he, 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 he was swiveling and turning um fired a shot and we've seen seen him score goals like that so many times but you know it was deflected over but in terms of Origi, uh and, and and his goal i mean all night I, I, I was really impressed by the way in which he tracked back to be honest because the, the one thing i was a bit worried about um with him in that position was yes we know he's got pace i thought at times tonight you saw actually when he's really got when he's given the space to run the channels i think you we probably just forget how much pace he does have but he really did um, show that tonight but he also tracked back worked hard um Defensively from time to time as well, which is, we know it's not his natural game, so it was good to see. But I was wondering, was there going to be an occasion where we see that classic sort of uh, Divi sort of um, trying to cut in uh, and bend one into the far corner? But like we saw a couple seasons ago now, when he was in that really, really good uh, run of form for us before his injury. Um, And sure enough, he manages it. I mean, it was it was one of the the worst bits of defending you're going to see as well because there's two or three men around him and no one gets anywhere near him. They just allow him to dribble in. Uh, but he hits it early uh, and quickly, and it's 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 a great shot in inside the post. Um, Foster tries to get there, but it's 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 past him before he can even sort of dive. To be honest, uh, and Foster, as you mentioned, Trev, as well, he's going mental as defence because. Quite a few of the goals that you conceded tonight. Not really much you can do about them, and uh, it was it was just great to see Origi get that goal as well, um, because I mean he had his magic moment against Everton, didn't he? But um, you were wondering whether he'd have a another role to play this season, and uh, nights like this where you end up five nil uh, to the good, uh, it was uh, it was good to see him scoring the goal that effectively killed it. Yeah, it's decisive, Harry,
0: isn't it? And, and you know, to to give him his moment and give the manager by extension his moment, uh, who insisted on playing him in that role in the front three, the most obvious thing to do with Divok would be to play him through the middle, right? Everyone would say that's what you do. But as you said, we've seen him be effective coming in from that side in the past. Obviously, Jürgen has seen him be effective coming in from that side in the past. And when he had his purple patch, that's what he was doing a lot. And uh, I love the fact that Jürgen's vindicated. I love the fact that uh, Divok has his it, it These things are not to be underestimated in a run which requires... You know, the, the the famed momentum, which requires uh, certain things to go for you. Uh, and on the back of a game against United where we could have felt things were not going for us. It's lovely to see a manager's decision, a specific decision nonetheless. not just to play the but to play him in a specific position, vindicated so gloriously. Yeah, and I mean, of-
3: mentioned it as well, Trevor. I mean, sorry to interrupt you, but Dave's mentioned it before as well in terms of keeping everybody enthused keeping everybody keeping yes everybody there yeah that, well.
0: and that's it for, and for the kid himself you know he's had his moment yeah you mentioned it the big moment against everyone but for the kid himself now he's got further sort of impetus he's got further self-belief because there's another massive like you said that third goal is vital right it's it's a clincher and it's a kind of a it's it's vital to this run so he's going to have that added swagger about him it, it's it's huge
3: yeah, absolutely, and, and we, we we don't know when Bobby's going to be back as well. Um, so we need people who feel like they're going to be involved, feel like they can play a role on the side, and and even if it's not him coming in to score goals. I mean, we see the work that Bobby does. I'm not about to say that Origi can do you know, the same level of work that we see for Bobby in terms of the all around contribution to the team. Um, but he showed tonight how he could contribute um, and you know, allow others to get into opportunities where that. Where they'd have chances to score goals. I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't a, a a selfish performance from Divock tonight as well um, at all, was it? I mean, I mean, from time to time you can imagine players like Sturridge or um, strikers who haven't had a, a sniff coming in and wanting to make that impact tonight. It just felt like he was he'd been told what he needed to do. He carried it out to the letter.
2: Can we just also point out? Not only was Divok content to like get the ball and run at them, he was slinging cross-field passes to oh, Mo yeah. as well. There was one unbelievable pass with his left foot that sort of bent in and around their defence right to move. Oh, moment. yeah. Have some of that. It was gorgeous. Like, I mean, we're, we're, we I know he's been around at Liverpool for you know quite a while now. We bought him in 2014, so it's been a while. But this kid is still only 23 years of age. We know there's talent there. And a lot of people are just assuming that he'll be one of those that's moved on in the summer. But... I wouldn't be against keeping them and trying to develop them. And maybe you do just develop them to play that left-sided role. Maybe you forget about the idea of Divock, the number nine, and you just develop them to be a backup to Mane in that left-sided role because there's, there's clearly talent there and there's a desire to succeed at this football club because... I watched Daniel Sturridge again at the weekend, and he just does not look like a player who's engaged. He doesn't look like a player who's who wants to be playing for Liverpool. And Divock does. Divock looks like every minute on the pitch he wants to prove people, pr- prove people wrong, prove them that he's good enough to. Earn, you know, earn his medal. He's got his seven appearances now. So if we win the league, Divock is getting the medal purely by, you know, appearances. But he looks like a guy who's going out there to earn that medal and try and get us over the line. We all remember how important he was to us in the, the run to the Europa League final. He was one of our best players in that run. And he just got so unfortunate with that horrendous injury because Funes Mori is a, is a moron who can't tackle. And he's just had such a bad time of it since. But there's a player in there and who knows what level of player it'll be, but I, I'm not against him sticking around beyond this season and and us developing him into something, because I do think there's a player there.
0: Well, there is something there, because you have the physicality. I mean, the guy is just a, he's a unit. You, you, What you do is you add that uh, to the fact that he does have a comparatively deft touch. He has got nice control. And when you see the goal itself he's basically beaten at least two defenders maybe three uh and instead of doing what most people would do which is to go for the uh, right hand post and try and blast it basically take basically what i'm saying here is instead of going for the uh the safe shot we've seen people who take the bottler across or the bottler shot just get it on target nobody can blame me and i walk away divok naturally and you know, not quite with the greatest technique in the world, opts to drag it back into the base of the near post. And I think that is the sign of a kid who's got something natural. I think that is the sign of a finisher. I think that's the sign of a proper player, and I agree with you completely, David. Let's give this kid a chance where are you Where are you going to get someone who's equivalent? I mean that's what that's the question you have to ask. I mean, we already that's exactly. It. He's already on the books. Keep him around even if it is. I'm not saying you don't get in more attackers. That's just hmm. daft. I'm saying what's wrong with having him as a supplemental guy to to help us out going forward because he's proved his worth at least twice now on massive occasions. Three yeah. times,
2: because Burnley, he came he played Bur- and he yeah. got an, and he got an assist, and he played quite well. And remember, Daniel Sturridge is leaving on a free this summer, so we're already going to have to pump in probably 15, 20, maybe a little bit more to to replace Daniel Sturridge. Now, Divock's value is probably going to be quite low at the moment, because I think he's only got a year left on his contract after this one, and he hasn't really played a whole bunch You know, For us in the last couple of years, it didn't really work from on loan last season at Wolfsburg. So his value is probably going to be quite low. So do you really want to sell him for 10 million and then have to go and spend another 20 to replace him? So you're spending 40 million, a 30 million net spend on backup attackers when you could just keep this guy going by one for in and around 15, 20 million. And then focus on the the real needs in the team, centre-back, the attacking midfield role. I, I... I just think it would be foolish of us to cut bait on a very talented young player. And Like you say, the technique isn't always there, but the athleticism, the power, all that is there. I I think, I trust Klopp and in particular our developmental uh, coaches to, to really turn him into a useful player for us. Or at the very worst, we build him up and by next summer 2020, he's worth 25, 30 million. And then you sell him off and you replace him
0: yeah like i couldn't agree with you more and look and it is a shame that everyone everyone wants to see dan Sturge staying at the club and doing well but it's just every sign points to the fact that it's not going to happen and every sign points to the fact he, <laughs> he saw him at the brits there is trying to establish a partnership with paloma faith and even that broke down to be honest so i feel sorry for danny at the moment it's not going to happen i don't think going forward at our club and you know, Harry. Like the 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 remaining mar- uh, part of the game is going to be marked out by one man and one man alone. That's Virgil and Dyke. I mean, yeah, Deeney has a little bit of an effort. He flashes one across the face of the goal from uh, uh, the edge of the box in 68 minutes. Uh, Henderson comes on for Miller on 69, and as Dave said earlier on, it's kind of a version of what Miller gave us. Uh, maybe not quite as 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 as. Uh, attackingly uh, competent, but, you know, the energy is there. Uh, Gray and cleverly come on for Dini and Delafeo And to be fair to Gray, he's on the end of at least a couple of decent chances for them. Uh, Hughes found him in 73 minutes and Alisson pulls off what you have to say is a class save. Um, On 76 minutes, Gray has a point-blank volley right in front of goal and Big Ali gets a hand to it again. And that's what I was chatting to you about earlier on. That's what this guy brings us. And you can chat about those moments if you want. I don't know if we have too much time to dwell on them, to be perfectly honest. We saw the glorious spectacle of 77 minutes substitute for uh, Sadio Mane, Adam Lalana comes on to lead the line in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> a, re- re- remarkable, a remarkable situation. And the kind of moment that you should revel in in a raw uh, uh, podcast. Let, Adam Lallana, I'll say it again, came on to lead the line. Do
2: you, know, and, do you remember when we beat Chelsea in Klopp's first season at, at the bridge? And yes. Lallana actually played up front because we had no strikers. Everybody was hurt. And Lallana played up front for not the whole game, but for about 25, 30 minutes. And he played really, really well. It was class, yeah. And I remember thinking, Jesus, maybe the the, the, <laughs> the willingness to just chase a ball like a puppy chases a car can be useful. And then, you know, he kind of just did what Manny did. He played up front, but he was dropping off and doing different things. And it wasn't terrible.
0: Listen, it was as good as we've seen him this year. And if you're going to pick a position for a, a game lad in inverted commas, you know, and every other British cliche you can put uh, out there, uh, British football cliche, which Adam ticks most boxes there. It, it's, it's almost tailor-made when you're 4-0 up or 3-0 up. And speaking of 4-0 up, uh, Dave, like we're going to talk about Virgil and Dyke. And I'll speak to you and then I'll come across to Harry, then we'll wrap it up. Look, on 79, Virgil has a beautifully controlled header from a class Trent delivery to make a 4-0, and on 82, just you know, three minutes later, whatever that is, uh, another beautifully controlled header, his second goal in three minutes, this time from the far flank, Robbo's curled over an inch, perfect cross. Uh, look, these are the type of things you dream of, getting You, Your star man in the team involved in goal scoring at this time of the the season, we all remember the last time he scored. It's way, way, way too long since he notched, considering how brilliantly dominant he is defensively in the air and how 50p headed. Joel Matip can be (laughs) attackingly in the air. It's so important that, that 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 Virgil got these goals because now I don't care if he doesn't score again until the end of the season. What I'm going to say to you here, Dave, is it's important because now people are going to be having a little bit of wee wee running down their legs. When they see virgil running into their box because it means oh jesus be worried about that guy so let them go and block him off yeah. and maybe 50p head will score maybe it'll break and money will get a foot in who knows but it adds an extra threat and an extra bit of fear to opposition between end of the season
2: yeah i mean for too long i think we've almost been using him as a decoy where he makes a run and we hope the two or three defenders go with him and for for quite a while this season, that was happening. Two or three defenders would go with Virgil and we were getting a lot of easy goals from corners and that. And it hasn't happened in the last while because teams have kind of realised, well, they don't actually cross the ball to Van Dijk. He's just there to be big and, and, and a decoy. But, I mean, this guy, I, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody in the air as good as him, Trev. I mean, yeah. he's a better passer of the ball with his head than most people are with their feet. And he's literally, he's done exactly what we talked about Mane doing. He's just redirected the power on, to be fair, two incredible crosses. The Robertson cross is phenomenal. The Trent ball is an absolute dream. He's just redirected them into the net. Very, very calm. Very, very, you know, very, very easy. He doesn't, it may, he makes it look like what Mane, you can see all the sinews and tendons in his body straining as he leaps up to get it. Virgil's kind of just a little hop and just plants the ball in the net with, with great ease. And he just, he looked so happy after he scored the second one as well, and then he was disgusted later in the game when we didn't cross oh. it in. And yeah, he, he wanted his hat-trick and they, they wouldn't give it to him. If we had gotten a penalty late in the game, he, I, I, like, I can only imagine it would have been given to him or he would have just taken it by force. He, just taken and it, he, yeah. he would have put the net and half the crowd through the back of the of the cup and out onto the street. like He just he he embodies everything that's good about this team, and since we signed him, the uptick defensively, and I mean, for me who spent years cry arson and moaning about the defense and banging the drum for better centre backs, particularly this guy who I wanted for years and a defensive midfielder to see him and Fabinho both turn in what I would class as ten out of ten performances tonight. Um, it's just it's sensational and. Like everything about Van Dijk's game is is magnificent. He's great defensively. I don't think he's. Beat, I think I'm right in saying he hasn't been dribbled past this season. He's definitely beaten a couple of attackers off the dribble. Um, he's great in the air. He, he's he's the organizer for defense. You watch us and how diligent and how drilled we are at holding our defensive line. They had one dangerous break where Delaffei was running, and I think it was Will Hughes had the ball and he slid what looked like a perfectly timed pass. And then you watch the replay and just watch us hold that line between Trent, who, again, 10 out of 10 for me tonight. Joel Matip, who I thought was very, very good tonight. And I think he's developing a really good partnership with Virgil. Really Um, is, And, and, you know, I'm not all that pushed now about how quickly we we get Gomez back. Bring him back at his own pace. We have a guy playing very, very well. Um, the, The three of them just held that line so well tonight from set pieces in open play and it all comes from Virgil he is he's changed the dynamic of our team and he's brought an accountability and a leadership that we were lacking drastically before he arrived and the two goals tonight there's no player more deserving of them because his form this he's the player of the year in English football this season and if he doesn't win it regardless of what happens over the next 10 games in terms of the league title if Virgil van Dijk isn't the player of the year at the end of the season the system is broken
0: yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah you know how these things go and i'd agree with you completely uh, but i wouldn't be i wouldn't be in any way hopeful or optimistic about that but just to be hopeful and optimistic to finish it off harry and give you your chance to talk about the main man uh two goals uh two crosses from either side of the park uh a, a, an imperious defensive display alongside a very impressive partner and uh a last line of defense in in allison as Dave said, it's nice like this. The and Fabinho ahead of them again. It's nice like this. You have to just sort of relax into the fact that you are supporting what is possibly the best version of your team that you've ever seen.
3: Yeah, no, I think absolutely. And with Van Dijk as well, it's just it's been a case of all of us wanting to see him add that to his game. I mean, do you, seeing how good he was in the air, as Dave mentioned, defensively, just knowing that he could be he could be that effective for us in set piece situations uh, with the likes of robber and trent having the ability to cross the ball the way the way in which they can um and the first one was particularly satisfying for me because it was just a, a thumping but really well guided header second one it's well just even probably a little bit more about just strength to actually get there and actually win the ball from robertson's cross um, but yeah, it's just really satisfying, not only for the song as well, because of course, you know, we, we all know the song, it, it was getting plenty of play tonight as well, um, it, pass the ball, come as you like, etc. But we, we, we want to see him score these goals. Uh, it was like he, the ballad version of it tonight, though, slightly
2: slower, <laughs> more yeah. thoughtful version, I thought, really, really good. The, the ballad, ballad <laughs> version, yeah. yeah.
3: There was an inevitability about it, wasn't it? It was just like slowly cranking it up before Virgil actually yeah. scored those two goals. And I, I think one of the great, one of the really encouraging things for me about it is, and, and you saw it tonight. I think, in, I mean, I'm not one to try and read the players' body language or anything like that. But you, you, you've heard what he said in in, in recent days about sort of why he joined the club and what he hopefully would want from his time at the club. Um, yeah,
0: then you, you're referring to the BBC podcast. Yeah, really good yeah, yeah. Right? it was an interesting really good
3: interview with him. Yeah. But he's talking about wanting to be a Liverpool legend. Um, you know, The, the atmosphere, the, the, the history of the club, it, it was very appealing to him. and it, it, And he knew that if he performed well, um, the way in which he'd be embraced here by the crowd, by, you know, by the fans, et cetera. And you can just see you know, from the moment he scored that goal in his debut, sort of a dream debut, dream start, um, and he's scoring these goals tonight as well. Uh, he, this, this is a guy who's really, really enjoying playing at this level, showing what he can do, um, but also in front of all these fans as well. Cause yeah, he, he, he loves he, the connection he, with the fans, doesn't he? He does, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, he he knew if he performed like this, he'd be he'd be embraced by all the fans, and it's exactly what we see. He's a uh, he's our colossus now. He is our colossus,
0: Lads, You know what? even like this, you just gotta love. You just gotta love supporting the Reds, and it. You know, like you said, both of you, uh, City had their dubious penalty; they get their three points. But something's happened tonight, uh, and it's kind of significant. Uh, the Reds have blitzed opposition where city are struggling and let's just see how that works mentally in the next round of fixtures because all we gotta do is match them that's all we're gonna do and so far tonight we've not just matched them we've uh done a little bit of damage to the goal difference so i like this you gotta love this it's a good night to be a supporter of the Reds, and we should finish on a high note. We should finish on that note. Before we go, let's check in with the two lads and see what it is that we can expect from them over the coming days. Because God knows the fixtures don't relent. Dave, what you got coming up?
2: Um, there will be a scouted for Everton. We didn't do one for Watford just time constraints and plus the El Clasico was on tonight, and we were a bit worried that we might just tell people to to watch that and not us because of the performance on Sunday, but um all things considered yeah. uh, it should be it should be a fun a fun show uh, with myself and carl and a uh, silent producer guy drinkle who will of course update you on what tony pulis will be doing for the weekend Guy Drinkle
0: is, is such a central character in this entire channel. I hope people absolutely appreciate that because he's he's there all the time in the background for the AIP on a weekly basis with us, and quite often doing the Malby show with me. Quite often re- doing this show with us when when Greg's up You know, Greg. You know, Greg. Greg loves a holiday. You know, doesn't
2: he? Love is a holiday. Must uh, do another one, actually. He must be doing another holiday. It's because he's like getting all that money from from you know being Eddie's. Uh, bouncer. I was going uh, to say is, uh, is, Eddie Gibbs, the king of Scotland. Is um, that the crack? Is he is he on a kind of royal uh, my, retainer? Is that my the understanding, my understanding of it is that uh, at the moment uh, yeah. Greg is over and back to Brussels, trying to negotiate a stance on Brexit for Scotland, yeah. um, soon to be independent Scotland, they, which will then become a kingdom once again under the the rule of His Majesty uh, Edward Gibbs, and Greg is over there just doing the, doing the hard, hard yards. Eddie doesn't like to work too hard. He leaves that to Greg. Uh, so Greg is over there doing the hard yards. So
0: he's going to be the... Freedom.
2: It, he's basically the Scottish tree to
1: me.
0: The king's hand. The king's hand. Greg. <laughs> I love that. Uh, he's going to edit all this shit out. Uh, Harry, what about uh, what about yourself? What you got coming up, man?
3: Yeah, in the next couple of days there'll be a there'll be a Premier League preview for for Everton as well. Um, May just devote a large section on on Origi, uh and the psychological sort of damage that uh, Everton Please fans do. have been, have been working do. through over the past. I mean, I I, I mean he um, we're all in an agreement he's starting right this weekend. There's, there's, there's No way, he's, he's the talisman. I mean, j- just seeing him, well, Marco Silva is going to be. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, so that'll be out in the next couple of days. <laughs>
0: oh, fantastic, fantastic. Look, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this tonight because, you know, on a good night like this, uh, where we're in a position that we've never been in since you've been listening to, these sh- to this show, uh, I hope you enjoy it because it's, uh, it's what it's all about. It's just fantastic being in the red right now. And we thank you for your support if you are a subscriber and we uh, encourage you to join us full time if you're a trialist. Listen, I've been Trev Downey. Until I speak to you again, be kind to your fellow Reds and stay safe
1: out there. Wow. So there we go, folks. An hour and 20 minutes of, uh, of post-match analysis. Very raw, very emotional from from Trev Downey as the host there, uh, joined by Dave Hendrick and Harry Setti. That's just the sort of thing that we do here uh, at Anfield Index Pro after every game. And if you want to take part and uh, start listening to these shows, uh, it's anfieldindex.com forward slash join and you get seven days free. But if you don't like it within the seven days, just cancel it. Or you've got the option then to pay your uh, four pounds ninety nine per month or forty nine ninety nine per year now. Raw is the show that kicks off our uh, our post-match content after every game. And as I said earlier, the Geyser record that immediately on the final whistle and uh, just try and get these thoughts out there. Uh, and the podcast is always released pretty much as soon as they finish recording. It's the one show where really the production goes into overdrive just to make sure we can get that out. Because we know people, uh, like when lose or draw, they like to hear what people have to think about, uh, about the latest Liverpool match. And uh, it does seem to form part of people's... Uh, post-match diet these days so uh the other things that we do uh after raw is we have our our rate don't hate podcast that's another a show over on ai pro where uh kay gets together with uh, adam patrucioni and tom holmes and they uh they talk about all the ratings out of 10 that not only anfield index have given but also uh other other liverpool journalists like the echo like uh like tour uh this is anfield and uh, they also get a collective stat on the um that AI subscribers, the AI pro subscribers rating, which is something that's opened in our Discord group, which I'll tell you about more in a minute. So you get to rate the players as well, and that forms part of that show as well. The the next show that comes out uh, to after after Games Tactics Weekly, uh, we have the head coach of Miami FC, Mr. Paul Dalgleish, and our own analyst Dan Rhodes, who you may have heard on our Under Pressure podcast plus tactical contributions from match-going Reds fan Gav Jones and uh, Tactics Guru and writer Hamza. So that's our Tactics Weekly show that also reviews the games. Then if you want to ramp it up with some Legends content, we have yam Moby every week on AI Pro, the Great Dane, uh, who's been there, seen it, done it, and he's always in the... Uh, in good form with Tread Downey hosting that show. And occasionally, just very occasionally, we get the legend, the great legend that is Sir Kenny Dalgleish, uh, alongside myself and Paul Dalgleish on The King and AI. And we'll hopefully bring you more of that very, very soon. Everyone's just been a little bit busy and it does take a bit of time to get the stars aligned with that one, but uh, we will, uh, we will plod on and we do hope to bring you more of The King and AI very soon. So, as a final reminder, I did mention Discord, so uh, with Discord it's uh, at anfieldindex.com forward slash Discord, completely free to sign up, a Liverpool fan community, not like anything that you'll have seen on Facebook, Twitter or WhatsApp, uh, all our contributors are on there and it really is, uh, it will really add to your fandom of the Liverpool Football Club if you head over to anfieldindex.com forward slash Discord and join the community there, there are paid areas, well, not paid areas, but areas that are only open to Anfield Index pro subscribers. And uh, with that, you'll get to uh, access other areas like Under Pressure for the stats and things like that, where it, it just kind of complements the stuff that's going on within the podcast. And it also allows you, once you're a subscriber, to listen to live podcasts uh, that we do on, on Discord as well. So it's the versions of shows that come out uh, on demand on on your favourite podcast app, but we do do some of these shows live on Discord, so it's a chance for you to tune in live as they're being recorded and get them right off the cuff. So that's about it for this week, and uh, we'll be back for more off-the-wall very, very soon. Uh, On to uh, the Merseyside derby next, and let's hope Liverpool can really drive home this advantage and claim this uh, long-awaited league title. So until next time, up the rails.
3: Podcast Network.